Okay, uh, welcome everyone to another episode of the Draft Nights podcast, uh, Nights of the Draft Table podcast. Uh, we have a special guest today, Brandon Olson of Whole Nine Sports. Welcome, Brandon. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys? Uh, I'm good. It's a great, great to have our first guest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're a fledgling little podcast trying to find our feet in, in this large pool, but uh hope... Hopefully we have a good show today, but you know, let's let's get to it, Brandon. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll be talking a little draft, a little other talk, um, including uh, draft Twitter, uh, the infamous draft Twitter of <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, you and I are part of. Um, we have our moments here and there. Um, yeah, it's, uh, so let's begin. So we. I think pretty much the top ten prospects are uh, pretty much everyone's consensus right now as we speak. Number one is pretty obvious, so we're gonna go to number two. So who who is your rank number two? Uh, here's the fun thing. Yeah. Um, my number two is Trevor. Ooh. Um, my my number one is not Zach Wilson. My number one is Fields. Um. I, I just love Justin Fields' game. Just everything he does. I I just love watching him play. I love that. I, I don't get how people talk about uh, that he doesn't go deeper into reads when most of the offense is just like wide receiver option routes. And mm-hmm. it's complex mm-hmm. reads to begin with. Not as simple as people like to think. Um, I, I will say that one thing I have for Lawrence is that sometimes I think he doesn't go deep enough into reads. That could be a couple of things. He could just like not have faith in other receivers, uh, tight ends, whatever it may be. Justin Fields has NFL talent surrounding him, so I get that, that he's just got so many weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, but Fields is my number one. Trevor Lawrence is my number two. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, Definitely. I saw a lot of that Fields. People were trying to say he doesn't go uh, through his reads this week, and then a lot of people came back at, at him and did a lot of analysis, and that was pretty much easily disproved. Yeah, a lot of it is literally just like Ohio State. A lot of their receivers just run option routes on the majority of their plays. So it's like it's way more complex than just that's your guy you're throwing to because you have to try to figure out where they're going to be. Read the coverage trying to read it the same way that your receivers are reading it and trying to know which adjustment they're going to make uh it's it's incredibly impressive just reading the plays i can hardly get through them knowing what's going to happen against which defense so uh Mm -hmm. so i think that is just doubly impressive there uh from the entire ohio state offense really yeah i think this qb debate or this year's qb debate is um basically uh, basically, when, with Jameis Winston against Marcus Mariota in terms of Lawrence and Fields, because um, Mariota at Oregon didn't have the most, um, according to most public perception, didn't have the most um, pro-style-centered offense, shall I say, compared to Winston's time at Florida State under uh, Jimbo Jimbo Fisher. So. I mean, Lawrence didn't, didn't have a pro-style offense either at Clemson, if we if we really want to label it that way. But, you know, um, 
It's uh, I think Lawrence, to more public perception, Lawrence is more pro style than Fields was. I would say. Yeah, publicly, yeah, a lot of people tend to just think that uh, that Trevor Lawrence is the pro style. Fields is very uh, one read spread kind of like like mm-hmm. as if he's just a very simple high school offense. But uh, when you go further into it, it kind of flips around in the sense where. Fields does have to make very complex reads. One thing also that I didn't like about Lawrence that I could be wrong, but I just feel like in a lot of big games, he tends to rely a lot on his legs, kind of. Like, I feel like he like feels the need to extend plays and make things happen, which is great that he can do that. Um, but I do feel like in some big games, he tries to do a little bit too much on the ground. Yeah, his receivers during his time progressively got worse. Yeah, but not yeah. to say they're not they're not to, not to say they're, you know, like high school garbage or anything, but you know, they're they're not brand names as we expect, like, you know, Sammy Watkins and New Hopkins like in the past. Yeah, but it's Omar not Rogers, offense. Yeah, Amari Rogers, you know, he he's an NFL caliber prospect. So is Cornell Powell, the guy he threw to the most in his pro day. So, um, I mean, it's not like he was playing, playing with chopped liver or anything. So, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, it's plus Ryan Day, if alternate history were a reality, he would have been the Titans offensive coordinator had Coach Rabel gotten his way. So, you know, shout out Arthur Smith, who got a head coaching job with the Atlanta Falcons. But, you know, um, which I think Ryan Day would have, help Mariota a ton a ton but um, I'm glad Tannehill was there to supplant Mariota because Mariota was um by the time Vrabel got there his arm was pretty much cooked <laughs> and it wasn't that great to begin with so yeah uh, um I'm glad that it worked out the way it did minus a few fourth down calls in the playoffs last year but that's a <laughs> Now there's podcast for another day. <laughs> I'm still angry about it, but uh, don't tell, don't tell Nick in our group, but because yeah. um, he's a he's a big Baltimore Ravens fan, unfortunately. Uh, so other than those, other than the top two, who are, who's your third? Who's your third guy? Um, my third player on my board right now would have to be Kyle Pitts out of Florida, because uh, okay. I. That's my type of tight end, um, mm-hmm. or one of my types. Tight end's my favorite position to watch offensively. Uh, but that big receiver type is something that I really like. Noah Fant, I had fourth the year he was coming out. Um, I, Kyle Pitts is just insane. And this, uh, what I don't want to say is, I don't want to say that this is biased because I'm a Gators fan. Um, I don't think this is biased. I think it's possibly just that i've seen all of his games so i've seen so much of him and just him absolutely bully defender so much that it's probably it might be skewing that a little bit but uh i'm yeah i'm even i don't even really want to call him a tight end i just want to call him an offensive weapon that's the term that i've been using a lot recently like Mm -hmm. i've i've even made like reports that i'm putting Kadarius tony rondo Moore as offensive weapons not receivers I want to do the same with Kyle Pitts. I just feel like he could be used in so many different ways. Yeah, he would be a perfect fit in the Falcons' offense because uh, Smith has Coach Smith has a tight ends background. He grew up as a tight end, 
coach, and then he lived through numerous failed Titans regimes. <laughs> um, um, yeah, unfortunately, but um, it's a uh, Pitts is a. I think he's a movable, movable asset. He's a move tight end. Mm-hmm. His blocking isn't isn't the greatest in the world, but he wasn't asked to do that much in Flores' offense. Um, Coach Mullen knows how to use weapons in his offense. You can't recruit worth a crap, but you know. But... <laughs> That's a, a biased Florida, Florida State fan in me, but um, you know he looks. He's <laughs> let's just say his he he's not he doesn't look like a recruiter. I'll say. <laughs> uh, um, it just I Pitts survived through a lot of bad quarterbacks. I'll I'll give him credit for that. Yeah, and one thing also that I could also see. Uh, Pitts ending up in Philly if they decide to part ways with Zach Ertz given his contract situation is kind of murky right now. Yeah. Um, but the guy who is just Florida's OC and quarterbacks coach is now the quarterbacks coach for Philly. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying that it's going to mean anything, but if he does decide to be like, hey, as the former OC of Florida, even though Mullen called the place, as the former OC of Florida, um, I can tell you firsthand, this guy is damn good. I mm-hmm. it could play a part in there if they do get rid of Ertz. Yeah, which they probably should, given his contract and his um, injury history of late. Um, and uh, they they are clearly rebuilding right now. Yeah, yeah any chance <laughs> to get money off when twenty percent of your cap is going to a quarterback on another team, you got to take. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's a shout out, Indy, for um, <laughs> taking once. <laughs> so arguably the worst quarterback in the AFC South. So if you're looking at kind of all time tight ends, prospect wise, is Pitts up there for you? Uh, for me, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, you could even like people like to bring this up very often, where tight ends that are drafted high don't amount to anything. It's day three picks, really, that kind of carve out their role and become great tight ends. So I think when you look at prospects, it's like everybody's always complaining about the tight end class every year because there's just not great prospects. And I think when you look at Pitts, granted, I've only been officially like scouting for three years now. Pitts is easily the best tight end I've seen. Mm-hmm. I've been watching football for quite some time now, and... I can't remember a tight end that was as dominant in college as Kyle Pitts has been. Yeah, completely. I, I don't think many people have. You know, all these great tight ends in the NFL came out of the third round, so it's kind of kind of rare to see. So, yeah, definitely something to watch. Yeah, the tight end class as rookies typically don't do well unless they're just, like, like super elite hyped-up guys. And um, who's your tight end? Who's your tight end three? Because I think I know who tight end two is. I think. Who do you think my tight end two is? <laughs> uh, Hunter Long. <laughs> no. no, no, not close. <laughs> uh, tight end two would be Fryer Muth and three is yeah. Jordan. Yeah. I think Hunter Long's getting a little too hype up due to the lack yeah, of uh, yeah. the shallow class. But, yeah, yeah, I'm not buying into it. Nope. <laughs> Nope. I think he's a fine tight end, but I, I don't think he's a top three tight end in this class. I think that the top three we have this year are better than we've had 
in quite some time. Mm. Um, I think it's hard to break into that little mold there. Um, it, it's just not an easy tight end class to break into the top three, really, because mm. the three that we do have at the top are very good, and they're better than most tight end ones. Yeah, and most of the other tight ends in this class, so they have they either they haven't been used much in their offense, or they just don't show up at all. But I'm a I'm a huge fan of Trey McKitty for yeah. obvious reasons. He went to Florida State. He graduated there, and uh, it's a shame that he went to Georgia because they barely feature the tight end at there at all. Hell, they barely feature their receivers at all. But um, thanks Kirby Smart for uh, <laughs> not picking Fields over Jake Fromm. But uh, <laughs> I think that horse has been beaten to death too much. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you kind of touched on it where a lot of tight ends just aren't featured in offenses. Um, there's a guy that I really like. Uh, I think he's going to go pretty late, but uh, I think he should be an early day three pick in Pro Wells at a TCU. I'm a fan of his. I've been a fan of his for quite some time. We had him on the podcast. We got to talk to him. He's an awesome guy. Um, but that TCU offense, like much like georgia they don't use their receivers they don't use the tight they try to but you know um yeah. due to a few reasons they kind of don't get their weapons used properly and it sucks and i keep talking with uh we actually i think even we asked pro wells is like why tight ends don't get used more and he was just he was basically like i don't know <laughs> he's like i don't I, he's like i don't get it because like, tight ends could do so much they could be everything for you and they're just so underutilized in the college game yeah i mean look at look at the pro game these days i mean you have kelsey of course kittle and back in the day jimmy graham way back in the day uh tony gonzalez <laughs> and you know i'm i know i'm dating myself a little bit there uh <laughs> i'm not that old people uh so yeah the tight end class is really shallow for sure. Uh, Pitts is definitely, I think he could be a uh, uh, Devin Funches on HEH. <laughs> yeah, because Devin Funches he was a kind of split between receiver and tight end as back in the back in his class. So um, yeah, so who's your number one receiver? Uh, my number one receiver right now is Jamar Chase, um, but. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm at the point where I'm kind of like it just depends what you want in a receiver like cuz we everybody keeps going back and forth between Chase, Waddle, Smith. It just depends what kind of receiver you want. It was the same thing last year really. That's I was saying the same thing last year with Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, and Henry Ruggs. It all depends on what you're looking for in your receivers. And I think that's what it comes down to. I think all three are close enough where you can literally just kind of nitpick what you want or what you're looking for at the time. But uh, I, cause I have chase seven, I have Waddle nine, and then I have uh, Devante at 11. So they're all very close to each other. And yeah, I, I just think that it really just depends what you want, what you're looking for. I agree. Like you touched on it last year was those three guys. And there was a lot of debate, very heated debate kind of like this year over who's the number one, but they all fit in their roles very well. And they, you know, CeeDee Lamb impressed, Jerry Judy imp- impressed, and Henry Ruggs, he did struggle with injuries, but even he impressed when he was on the field. And they've all fit in their role excellently, 
and it's not because one of them was better than the other. It's just because that each team used them the way they wanted to. Exactly. Yeah, it's just a matter of drafting and properly using the guys that you draft. It's all it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, do you think Caleb Farley is by far and away cornerback one? Um, for me, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. Because yes. I have uh, I have J.C. Horn creeping up a little bit, but not not enough to catch Farley. But um, it's it's a deep cornerback class again. Um, yeah, it's it has been for the past few years, thanks to uh, um, seven on seven drills. You know, just exploding all over this, exploding all over the country. You know, placing you guys to combat all these receivers, right? So. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, one of the things that I really like about Farley is just that he used to be a quarterback just a couple of years ago, and he's still so new to playing corner, but already so good that I think I I don't know if that skews my opinion a little bit where I'm like oh like look at the potential but seriously look at the potential <laughs> like he he was a quarterback just a couple of years ago and now he's a shutdown future shutdown corner um yeah he's the number 5 player on the board right now so uh, yeah I'm a big fan of his yeah it's uh I like the fact that he was taught under uh coach Bud Foster the longtime Virginia Tech defense coordinator, he's put a pumped out cornerback prospects left and right. So, yeah, of course, he's the best defense coordinator since basically Don Brown was when minus this past year because Michigan was horrible. <laughs> that defense. <laughs> um, basically, the way the NFL's gone, you need you just need you just need a halfway confident defense to supplement a really good offense. So basically, these guys are going to be at a premium. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with just, it seems yeah. like every year now we're talking about how good the receivers are and how deep a receiver class is. Like, you better be ready to line up and shut them down at least a little bit. Give your yeah. offense a chance over there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think Farley can be um, Jalen Ramsey good in a couple of years? Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's a tough question <laughs> it, it is a tough question and but I, i'm gonna say yes i i don't know if he'll necessarily be jalen ramsey good but i do think he could be a top four corner in the nfl yeah i, okay. I think i think he's got just immense potential um maybe maybe gilmore good <laughs> <laughs> maybe i mean it depends which gilmore we're talking about because yeah. last year like well, 2019 20 yeah, Gilmore was just unmatched. Yeah. <laughs> I think he could be he could be on the similar level to Tredavious White if he goes to the right team. I yeah. Think. I mean even Tredavious White wouldn't be Tredavious White if he didn't go to the yeah. right team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yes, it's very most corners that's I'm sorry to bring this up, but the age old debate at least <laughs> when 10 years ago we'll say around then. Um between a lot of fans i know myself i discuss this all the time because my favorite corner is richard sherman Mm -hmm. um i live in new york so a lot of jets fans so eight to ten years ago a lot of the debate was richard sherman or darrell revis and the thing that i would bring up often was they are so different and they play in such different defenses that it's one of those things where it's like you need to be in your scheme People want to fault uh, Richard Sherman for always playing in cover three defenses. It's like 
that's what he's good at. That's what he excels <laughs> at. Like Revis played man a lot because that's what he's good at. That's what he excelled at. Like any player should be in the scheme that maximizes their skill set. Mm. Yep. And yeah. It's the same uh, thing with these corners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I have. Going back to the receivers, I have uh, I have Smith number one, but it's a really close debate. Really close. Uh, I think Smith's size works against them a little bit. Uh, he's he's really he's skinny. He's skinny like Kevin Durant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, I think Zach Wilson's a, getting a bit overhyped. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> he was he was basically a nobody before 2020. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying he wasn't gar he was garbage, but you know he was um he's a he's basically a Johnny come lately. Yeah, yeah. He, he you don't have to say he was garbage. Yeah, but you can say he wasn't good. Yeah, because he he's, he wasn't he he just didn't show off anything close to what he did this year. Um, yeah, I also don't want to say he's garbage. I'm not going to say he's garbage. He wasn't good prior to 2020. And I'm kind of not buying into it a ton. Yeah, I, yeah. He's got the same thing that uh that we see with a lot of guys from the independent colleges, where it's like, who have they played? It's like, yeah, he put up tremendous numbers. His film looked amazing this year, but I would have liked to see him play against some truly top talents, mm-hmm. and we did not get to see that. I was really looking forward to seeing him play. Uh, Washington they were discussing and then nothing happened really but I was really looking forward to that game because I was like that Washington defense is very good I want to see Zach Wilson against that Washington defense I don't care about the argument of he didn't have a ton of NFL weapons around him because they weren't playing a ton of NFL defenders so to me that's fine yeah yeah basically I think that was the same argument for Lance I think because I would have loved to see him against Oregon uh, but yeah, sadly that didn't happen due to the pandemic, but you know, it's, it is what it is. Uh, it's, um, his showcase game was basically, it was, nobody really cared about that game. I, really. yeah, I, I, I will put no weight in that. <laughs> yep. It's, uh, not even, I don't think they even, co- the coaches or players cared. It's basically a, it was basically a spring, spring scrimmage. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, shout out FCS. You know they're playing right now. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, Jackson State, obviously. Deion Sanders. That was a interesting and wild story. Uh, we won't get into, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it's uh, all sorts of allegations and crazy stuff. And of course, they weren't playing. They weren't playing anybody important. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not downgrading Edward Waters as program at all. But you know, let's just say. Let's just say, even the players' families don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so uh, how do you think the quarterback carousel will turn out? I'm very interested in seeing it. Um, like, I, I, for one, I do want to see um, mm-hmm. the Falcons draft a QB. Not that they're going to replace Matt Ryan. I just want to see it. But that would also take one QB off the board for someone else. Um, I don't think Carr's going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. I know that people mentioned the whole Deshaun Watson possibility. 
I don't think it's going to happen. Deshaun Watson, I have... I'm very excited to see what's going to happen with him. Personally, I want to see him on the Niners. I want to see him with Kyle Shanahan, and I just want to see how crazy that offense would go. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's... I, I wish I could see it now. It's like I just want to see them play. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then... I mean, Cam Newton, I, I agree with him when he said that there's not 32 quarterbacks that are better than me. Uh, he's not what he used to be at all. No, uh, don't no. get me wrong. He's not. But to say 32 guys are better than him, like, I don't know if there's 32 good quarterbacks in the NFL right now. So there, I think you could take the If you look at pre-COVID, he was a good quarterback at the time. And after COVID, he was not the same. So if he can return to that, there's definitely not 32 guys better than him. Yeah, and the thing also is like... Yeah, there's maybe 15 guys better than him right now. Yeah, and and that's fair. Yeah, that's totally fair. But like, I like to also look at that offense was... Or at least when I would watch it, it seemed very uh, simplified. Like, I, I don't know what they... Like, they weren't really letting Cam let it fly like we know that he's not the cam he used to be yeah but he, i i'm pretty sure he still wants to let that thing fly yeah and they yeah. weren't letting him do it um no Josh he McDaniels ran the ball was... a lot which is cool i they, guess they were calling screens <laughs> on third and long every play and i'm a patriots fan and that was just killer to watch it it's they weren't going for they weren't they weren't calling plays with the intention to win really it yeah was... and <laughs> and not it's, not to be uh, rude or aggressive about it, but like, really, who the hell was he throwing to the whole year? Like, yeah, <laughs> like I I think I think Jacoby Myers and Amir Bird can be all right in the future, but neither one of them is going to be a number one wide receiver. And they they grew over the year a lot, and I think I wouldn't mind to see them stay, but they're not number ones. And if you got a guy who's recovering from a ton of injuries and is aging and has to adjust to a completely new offense. And then that offense has to adjust to him as well because they just lost their 20-year quarterback. He's not necessarily the guy you want. Yeah, and it's also an offense that we've seen uh, rely heavily on multiple tight ends and and like kind of just tight end heavy offense. But he was going out there with who was it? Uh, Dalton Keene and Ryan Izzo? Yeah, that was... And uh, I, who else? They drafted Devin Asiasi last year, too, and it's like, okay. They did nothing with them. They, they didn't develop them at all. They didn't give them real chances. I don't think Dalton Keene had a catch until later, even a target until much later in the season. It was... They weren't calling plays to make it a game. I mean, they were just calling conservative plays to just get a couple yards every time, and it just was very disappointing to watch. Yeah, and yeah. as someone who I, who I don't like the Pats, I agree with you so much. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think even Patriots fans can name receivers on their team. <laughs> yeah, I think... I'm sorry. Yeah. I think it's, it's the end uh, of Edelman in a few years, and mm-hmm. Bird and Myers will be good role players, but otherwise they're hurting. Yeah, I think that would be a good team for Corey Davis to go to, but, you know, if he doesn't get franchise tagged. I don't know what you're talking about. We're getting Allen Robinson. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he's used to bad quarterbacks. I, I wouldn't. I want some bad quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Bears fans. I'm sorry, but you know, it's the truth. 
I'm not. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a uh, yeah. It's a uh, so you know. I as we know, you and I met through draft Twitter and all that stuff. We're part of a group chat with a bunch of people. And uh, how do you like? What do you? Uh, what's your opinion on draft Twitter? I know it's a long story, but <laughs> yeah. um, I will say that I am probably one of the worst uh twitter scouts in the sense of yeah i i I tend not to uh engage a ton with draft twitter but that is because like we've seen in our group chat and just when things pop off like it gets insane just people get so aggressive about the littlest things and i'm guilty of it too i do the same exact thing um like we had the incident uh the other day with the qbs thing and just everyone piled on the one dude which yeah. was deserved i'm not saying it wasn't um but it's it's crazy out there and they'll cut your throat without a problem that's uh, <laughs> a pool for the sharks oh yeah yeah there's yeah. a little bit of blood you... you're done yeah if you uh, shared your that's... justin fields uh qb1 take with some people they would they would not be uh pleased they would, um, yeah, they would, I try not to, I try not to, um, I, all I do is post clips and, you know, post articles, so, um, I'm not, I'm not really engaged in the group chat much, except for, you know, when I, you know, spat off hot takes and such, <laughs> as you know, um, yeah, I think Ryan Roberts is the more, uh, level-headed person. Oh, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially with the trolls he has to deal with. Oh especially, yes, <laughs> especially his his number one fan. You know who I'm talking about. Oh yeah, I, I got you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, a person we all know. Um, no, yeah. So yeah. Uh, so do you have any other questions for Brendan Pat or? Um. I. Uh... I, I do have one question I was going to ask. If you were the Falcons, who would you take? Because that's, in my opinion, one of the more interesting positions this draft. Okay. Um, who's off the board? Uh, they're picking three, right? Uh, four. Or, uh, four. I'd say probably Warrens, Fields, and Sewell. I'd feel comfortable taking Trey Lance. Okay. I'd, I'd feel very comfortable with that because I'm not high on Trey Lance at all. Um, main reason being, I don't like one-year starters. It's not his fault that he didn't have a season this year, so I'm not faulting him for that, but when it comes down to it, I don't like one-year starters. I hated Trubisky for the same reason. I don't care how good you are in that one year, I don't Mm -hmm. like one-year starters. Um, So that's a big problem for me, but and I'm not saying he's bad at all, I'm just saying he's inexperienced right now. Um, He gets to sit behind Matt Ryan for at least another two years, I'll say. Mm-hmm. And I think that could be insanely beneficial for him. And plus, he gets uh, Calvin Ridley in his prime, and uh, hopefully, he's still there. You know, Julio Jones, who's on the downslope, but you know, he's still Julio Jones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and hopefully, they find a running game and a coach who maximizes his strengths. You know, clearly, Ryan Tannehill blossomed under Coach Smith, and uh, you know, Derrick Henry. You know, he could, you know, um, if they find him, if they find him a running game, then he would be pretty good. So, yeah, I think, I think Lance will do well there if he sits and learns for a while. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Also, where can we find you, Brandon? 
um right. on twitter wns underscore brandon mm-hmm. um i my instagram is just like not sports related at all um <laughs> but yeah you can find me anywhere on at whole nine sports uh mm-hmm. w-h-o-l-e n-i-n-e mm-hmm. sports yeah so what does whole nine sports do like we to like we'll have to shout out organizations here so what do they do like what do they cover um well <laughs> initially we started in august 2018 trying to get into analytics mm-hmm. um that did not work out <laughs> um so then we uh basically rebranded after that super bowl and mm-hmm. we got much more just draft oriented scouting wise because when we did analytics it was still draft oriented but uh finding film and being able to break things down and actually chart everything was very difficult especially not getting paid um so we started off then just writing about the draft and now we cover literally everything football related we've got draft nfl gambling um fantasy we get and looking to maybe expand more into just college in general talking about incoming recruiting classes and previewing the season not based around the draft mm-hmm. um we, we've got some plans where we're going to be expanding a good bunch in 2021 mm-hmm. okay one final question uh do you think i am too hot takey <laughs> no no, <laughs> not that <laughs> Some of your takes that you've put in the group chat, yeah, it's are so out funny. there. Um, yeah. definitely not too hot takey. No, you're not so Colin I'm not, Howard. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not Asian Ace uh, Stephen A. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not <laughs> Asian Smith. No, you're good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, it's it was nice uh, putting a face to a name. You know. Um, I know we finally get to meet face to face. I know it's true. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we get to meet next year in Mobile. Hopefully, when they allow media and fans back. Um, I know this year was kind of a kind of a um, dessert, uh, mixed mixed bag, unfortunately, because yeah. Mobile is really fun, um, especially around that time. It's a really good vibe. Uh, Jim Nagy does a really great job there. Had a shout out Senior Bowl, Mr. Jim Nagy, and uh, it was nice meeting you, Brandon. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was great meeting you guys. It was a pleasure. Honor to have you as our first guest. <laughs> Glad to be here. I remember when we first got our guests, it was uh, yeah. a, a bit difficult to get. Yeah. I know we had a bunch of scheduling difficulties ourselves. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thank you again. It was a pleasure having you on. Yeah, thank you, of course. And we are back with our second guest of the night. Justin Mello covers the draft for the Draft Network and also covers the Tennessee Titans for Broadway Sports and SB Nation. Justin, it's a pleasure to have you on. How are you doing tonight? Doing well, man. Appreciate you guys for having me. It's our pleasure. So uh, we just we just had uh, Brandon Olson on from uh, <clears throat> of a whole nine sports, and we talked with him. The first thing we talked about was our top ten prospects and his top ten prospects. Uh, we let it off, actually, by by saying we thought number one was pretty obvious, but he gave us a little bit of surprise with Justin Fields at number one. So I, I guess i got to ask you, who is your number one for this upcoming draft? Yeah, number one's Trevor Lawrence for me. I mean, I don't, I don't know a whole lot of people that are, that are going to say something different there, but 
yeah, no, no brainer for me. Trevor Lawrence penciled in at number one. Mm-hmm. And we also touched on on Zach Wilson and Justin Fields and all those guys. Is your number two Fields or is it somebody else? Yeah, I actually uh, go with Fields on, okay. on that one. So I'll agree with Brandon there. I think, uh, you know, for me, just been really, I'm, I've really bought into what Justin Fields has done at Ohio State. Uh, a lot of the concerns that other people seem to have on him, I don't personally have. I think he's an absolute baller. Uh, really in that national championship game, I thought he was terrific. Um, really, you know, showed me a lot, just the type of competitor he is and the type of athlete he is going out there, uh, you know, banged up the way he was and, and performing the way that he did. Uh, I thought he was terrific. You look at what he did against Clemson the week before, but 22 of 28, 385 yards, six mm-hmm. touchdown passes. Just for me, this this is the guy that, that I'd be taking uh, if I needed, you know, a quarterback and I'm picking number two. Um, for me, I would go Fields personally. Mm-hmm. I agree. I completely agree. So, uh, of course, uh, Justin Fields covers, I mean, Justin Millerfield covers the uh, Titans for Broadway Sports Media. So, so we're going to make this a little bit Titan-centric, but, you know, hopefully. So who do you think the Titans will take at number 22 if they stay put? Yeah, that's tough, right? It's a wide-ranging question, and the reason I say that is because, uh, you know, they're about to enter a, a crucial offseason where they have so many free agents. really depends mm-hmm. how free agency shakes out for them. Uh, you know, with guys like Corey Davis potentially leaving and, uh, you know, Jayon Brown, an inside linebacker, of course they're going to try to do something at edge with, you know, you know obviously backfired with Jadavion Clowney and, and Vic Beasley. So, uh, you know, at corner, I think I wouldn't rule out corner either. So if I had mm-hmm. a short list, you know, picking at 22 realistically – of course, I'd be looking at some of those top edge rushers, guys like Azizu Jullari, uh Greg Rousseau would definitely be on my list. I think J.C. Horn, corner out of South Carolina, would make a lot of sense if he's available. And, and receivers, I mean, we'll see what happens. I think the top three will probably be gone by then. But, you know, certainly a guy like Jalen Waddle, if he's around, I think would add such a, you know, a, a speed dynamic that their offense currently lacks. Um, at receiver, then guys like Kadarius Tony are obviously special. I'm a big Rashad Bateman guy. I think it might be early for him at 22. But for me, those are really the three positions that I think uh, mm-hmm. they have to target early and often. Yeah, I have Bateman going to the Ravens in my mock draft. <laughs> yeah, Bateman's a, good, Bateman's a good one. You know, I'm a big fan of his game. I, I've had this weird feeling all offseason that it's going to be available a little later than some people anticipate. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that he's a shoe-in for a top 30 or 40 pick. But mm-hmm. uh, it'll be interesting to see because I'm a huge fan of his game, and I, I really like the fit uh, of him in Tennessee. You know, potentially, I think he makes sense as a Corey Davis replacement. You know, Titans like guys on offense that are big, strong, physical, and make things happen after the catch, right? And, and to me, that's really the things that jump out um, on tape when watching Rashad Bateman. So watch out for him. I, I, I would personally love to see him in Tennessee. Okay, that's that's an interesting pick right there if that comes true. So what do you think of the edge position? Like if, if the Titans are – or do you think the Titans are in it for uh, Mr. 99? Yeah, I mean it sure seems that way, right? I think it was John Clayton from ESPN uh, yeah, earlier uh-huh. today went, went on TV and said the Titans are very much in it, and I would expect them to be. Look, I, you know, it might sound lazy, but sometimes dot connecting 
is a lot of you know is how things get done in the NFL. And you know, Watt played for for Vrabel, you know, when he was DC there in Houston. So it's a no brainer that they're going to have interest. They need and they need a player like him on the defense uh, across the D line, whether it's edge or he lines up inside from time to time. They need a guy like that. So I, I think they're in for ninety nine for sure. And I think uh, and I think they got to look at some other players too. Look. A lot of, you know, there's been a lot of talk this offseason that, you know, maybe John Robinson doesn't, you know, identify the need that they needed. I mean, there's no doubt he knows they need an edge player. There's no doubt. I mean, he tried to address it last year. It just yeah. didn't work out, right? But he threw a ton of resources at the position last offseason. He's not stupid. He knows he needs to do it again. So they're going to be in for what? They're going to draft one early. You know, they're going to be in for a couple. I would love to see them get in for someone like, um, uh, Carl Lawson at Cincinnati. You know, there's rumors that they might tag him. For me, I think he'd be the best fit for any out of any of the edge free agents. He's the one I'd like to see them go after the most. But yeah, he's definitely going to be in for 99. Yeah, it'd be really funny if they brought both brought, uh, both Watt and Clowney back. Uh, it'd be really funny who gets the 99. <laughs> yeah, that that'd be really that would really be something to reunite those two guys together. I mean, when when it comes to Clowney, I. I don't know what to think, right? You, you, mm-hmm. you have to – I lean towards that probably all parties involved want a fresh start. You know, yeah. I think everybody probably looks at it and just says, hey, it didn't work out. You know, let's let – you know, Titans are going to hedge their bets elsewhere and, and he'll bet on himself elsewhere. At the same time, you know, I think his market's going to be – I think it's going to be rough. I, I You know, I don't think it's going to be anything like it was last offseason. Yeah. And if it is, I mean, you let one, one or two of those teams – you know, I don't think it'd be a very wise decision to pay him, you know, $10 million a year or more like he was demanding last year. So if, you know, maybe the Titans are in, in for it if his market goes as low as 4 or $5 million a year. But other than that, I'd be surprised if, if they had any interest yeah. in bringing him back. Do you think the Titans would go after Romeo Okara? Okara? I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule it out. You know what I mean? But, but to be honest with you, you could have said any name there that's a free agent edge player, and I think we'd be silly to rule it out, right? Yeah. Like they, they're going to need an edge player. He, he's an, he's an impressive guy. A lot of people call him a one hit wonder, but I don't think that's true. I thought he was good, you know, this past year, and he was good the year before as well. So he certainly, I, I would feel more comfortable. I'll say this: going after someone like him than I would a, a Matt Judon or a Bud Dupree. I've got more concerns with those guys. Uh, than I do with with Romeo. Yeah, shout out Judon for uh, threatening the media <laughs> in the past couple of hours. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't really read up on that yet, but yeah, it certainly it seems like a, a strange situation yeah. going on there. Yeah, it's a uh, apparently he apparently some media that covers the Baltimore Ravens basically told a false story, and Judon got really mad about it, and things blew up from there. So. Oh yeah. boy, yeah, never, never, never like to see that. Never a good thing. <laughs> but you know, we all, as Titans fans, we all hate the Ravens. So any any bad stories is good stories for us. <laughs> yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up in free agency. I, I don't think personally that I would pay you know fifteen, sixteen million dollars a year for him. I don't think he's that kind of player. It'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see what the you know how the market plays out for him. Yeah. Also, another Ravens free agent is uh, Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, he didn't do too well for them, but you know it's he'd be another interesting fit for the Titans. You know they like to play a carousel with the with these edge rusher guys. Yeah, he's he's a hell of a player. I'd be surprised if they let him go. I know that he didn't play you know maybe as well for them perhaps as they would have hoped. But I mean I remember him against Tennessee in the regular season. He was unbelievable. He was unblockable. 
after I think it was what week eight or nine they played when when Henry had the walk off touchdown in overtime. He was terrific in that game. You know, mind you, they were already down to their backup tackle uh, at left tackle. I believe it was still Sambrello at that time. But man, mm-hmm. he was beating them like a drum on a snap by snap basis, from mm-hmm. what I recall. So that's a supremely talented and athletic edge rusher, and and any yeah. team would be very lucky to have him. Yeah, so. It's going to be the Titans class is going to be free agency class is going to be really interesting if they I know the rumors rumors are there that they're going to tag uh, Johnny Smith. but I don't see it happening given their cap constraints. Well, every every team's cap constraints, but um, I don't think I don't think they tag Smith. I think they let him test the market and bring him back eventually. Yeah, I mean, I think there'd be a lot of interest in John Smith if they do let him test the market. And you know, one thing we we have to realize is that this is not a very strong market for tight ends. Right? There's not a lot of guys out there in free agency that can really improve your football team the way John Smith can. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does hit free agency that that someone, you know, a couple teams are going to chase him hard. And I think that would be a mistake on the Titans' part: a to let him test free agency, and b to let him actually walk. I think he's. Uh, really important to what they do on offense. I, you know, I didn't always show up on the box uh, score last year because as, as they got down the stretch and they were down to their backup tackles, they asked them to stay in the box a lot more and they asked them, um, they asked them to chip, right? And they asked them to play in pass pro. So he just wasn't running as many routes uh, down the stretch as he was early on the year. And to me, that's kind of the explanation between uh, for his dip in production uh, towards the end of the year. But uh, when it comes to the franchise tag, I want to, you know, for him, it, it's a reasonable number. So I, I wouldn't be opposed. You know, they tagged, remember, they tagged Derrick Henry last year. Really yeah. is just a way to buy them time uh, in order to work on a, a long-term uh, contract. It wouldn't, you know, I think John News tag number is about $8 million. And to me, that's very reasonable. You know, on the flip side, when you look at somebody like Corey Davis, his tag number is like $16 million. That's certainly not something that you're going to do. So if you are going to use the franchise tag on anybody this year, uh, I, I would say John New makes the most sense. Yeah. Uh, especially the team has a history of tagging and working out deals like uh, Michael Griffin way back in the day. Um, and he's, of course you mentioned Derrick Henry. So it's going to be interesting what they do with him. I know the deadline started, um, started today, I believe this afternoon. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do there. So Isaiah Wilson, that's a, uh, <laughs> that's a long running story for us. <laughs> So his, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't really know what you can say at this point. Um, yeah. It just seems like, you know, he, he just you know can't get out of his own way yeah. and just keep making mistakes. And, you know, one thing that really, really stuck out to me was during, um, you know, John Robinson's press conference that he held well, about a week ago now. Um, you know, he held looked like from his home or from the office there uh, because he'd normally be having one right during this time of year for the combine. He decided yeah. to hold a press conference and, and kind of talk all things off season. And, and one thing he said that really resonated with me is that, and I appreciated his honesty when he goes that um, that the guy that was in Tennessee this fall was not the same guy that they met before the draft. And mm-hmm. and, I, and I understand that. Obviously, you know, I, I certainly didn't vet Isaiah Wilson to the level that John Robinson did. But you know, he's a guy that I that I interviewed last year, and I got a chance to hop on the phone with him. And as I think you're, you know, Joseph, I, I interview a lot of prospects every single year. It's kind of my, my niche, so to speak, as a writer. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's tough for guys to stick out to me. I'll be honest with you. You know, I do so many of them that, you know, sometimes you get a little bit of sameness and you, you feel like you're having the same conversation over and over again. But Isaiah Wilson was so polite when I got him on the phone. 
that he stood out to me. I'm like, wow, this is a really, really nice person, a guy who's dedicated to the game of football, uh, a guy who's passionate, knows a lot about the game. I mean, if you go back and read my interview with him on, on the draft wire, it just, it just felt like the right fit in Tennessee. He's talking about running the ball and being a dominant offensive lineman and, and, and loving to play violent and physical and, and you know running the ball in the second half and the, watching a defense start to wear down. It screamed Tennessee to me. And John Robinson obviously agreed, right? He got the same impression, and he yeah. drafted him. So, uh, you know, it's just he did a 180 when he got to Tennessee, and we'll never truly know what happened there or why. But uh, he hasn't been the same person. And and I've seen some rumors across social saying, oh, he had a lot of off-field issues at Georgia. I, I don't really know where that comes from, and, and that's not what I've heard. You know, everyone at Georgia spoke very highly of him. Uh, coach Sam Pittman, who was the offensive line coach there, who, who has left uh, for a head coaching job, I believe, at Arkansas. He was yeah. he was a big fan of his, and he spoke highly of him, and he was equally as surprised to see Isaiah behaving the way that he's been behaving. So I don't think this is a guy that was already immature and had off-field issues, and the Titans knew what they were getting themselves into. No, I think this is a guy that's really changed, and we don't know why, but he can't seem to get out of his own way. Uh, it, it appears that the Titans are going to give him every chance possible to try to make this right. And look, they have a lot of reason to. I, I'm not an expert on the salary cap, but I, you know, I've been informed that I think they would they would lose about three million dollars in dead money by cutting him right now, and not to mention losing a you know the value of of a first round pick. So to me, they're good. It looks like they're going to give him every chance to right his wrongs. But truthfully. I don't see this ending any other way, right, than them running out of patience and, and, and cutting him loose. Do you think they draft a right tackle in this draft early on? <sighs> that that You know, I'm writing about that right now. I'm writing on that topic uh, for Broadway sports. And to me, it, to me, it's hard for me to say yes or no, and I'll tell you why. I think the answer to that, to answer that question accurately, I would love to know what how so you know was John Robinson surprised by how Dennis Kelly played in 2020 I think to me that's where you find the answer to that question because he brought Dennis Kelly back on a three-year 21 million dollar deal I think the team was comfortable with the idea of Kelly being a bridge option and drafting Isaiah Wilson and knowing that you weren't going to use him in year one that you were going to start Kelly and you were going to groom um uh, Wilson for the future. Now, Kelly played really well in 2020. That's the thing that makes it tough for me to answer this question. John Robinson's going to see this one of two ways. He still sees Dennis Kelly as a bridge option at best and needs to groom a tackle for the future. Or he's going to say, "I last year I thought I needed a tackle for the future. I still think I need one. Obviously, Isaiah Wilson hasn't done anything to prove that he's that person. So, yeah, I need to go back and draft another one early. I think it is very much within the realm of possibility that they draft one early again. But, you know, maybe Dennis Kelly makes John Robinson feel comfortable enough to kick that can down the road another year, right? It really depends on how he evaluated his 2020 play. But for me, I thought, (coughs) excuse me. I thought Dennis Kelly was terrific in 2020, so it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, plus also you have the fact that Taylor Lamont tore his ACL. I know ACL injuries are different these days, 
But, you know, it, it's still a devastating knee injury for him to come back from. So that's going to be right. interesting how they feel that whole there. So. Absolutely. Uh, they got to see how the, how comfortable they are. They, they don't have a whole lot of depth there, right? Ty Sombrelo's a free agent right now. Uh, you know, uh, you would think they would consider bringing him back and we're probably satisfied with the role he played as a swing tackle. You got mm-hmm. David Kissenberry, who I thought truthfully – uh, was actually better than Sombrelo at left tackle, in my opinion. It's funny because, of course, Sombrelo, you know, was seen as the number two tackle, and, and Q didn't come in until he went down. But I thought Q was the better player down the mm-hmm. stretch. So it really depends on, on on how they feel about Sombrelo and how interested they are in bringing him back. And, and I imagine Kissenberry's a guy that's going to be on the 53-man roster once again next year. Yeah. Uh, hope we don't we we probably can't tell the future right now according to the pandemic rules the NFL will probably enact for a training camp so it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting battle to watch there. Yeah, absolutely. You would like to think that NFL teams will probably have some resemblance this year of yeah. a training camp and a, of a preseason. I mean, obviously it's a little early uh, on that front, but uh, if if I was a guessing man, I, I would say that you you're probably gonna get more normalcy. Um, you know, this coming July, you know, June, July, August than we had last year. Yeah, uh, I think they fit in maybe one or two preseason games just to get the bodies warmed up and all that. But, of course, last year there was no preseason and we saw the quality of play drop off in the first few weeks. And so. the injuries. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think the players will stand for, for no, uh, no yeah. preseason games. Yeah, I would like to think they get one or two games in. I think everybody would like that. Also, UDFAs, right? They were so so highly yeah. impacted last year by a, a a lack of opportunity. It's amazing that any of them made rosters. You know, in Tennessee, that or they had uh, T.R. Tart and Aaron Brewer, I believe, were the only two uh, UDFAs. And, and you saw, look, you saw Tennessee go out in August and sign a couple of veterans that already knew the system. And to me, that was a direct correlation of the lack of preseason and the lack of time to get these UDFAs up to date, right? They signed Will Compton really late into the game. They signed Darren Bates really late into the game. So uh, you'd expect to see a little bit more, uh, you know, UDFA action this coming summer. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm actually surprised that any of them, you know, stood out league-wide, you know, especially James Robinson of the Jaguars, who we know well. He, he went for 1,000 yards, and he did pretty well for his status. Yeah, very impressive. Very impressive yeah. to be a UDFA to to yeah. not only you know find his way in, into the starting role there, but to do what he did. I mean, he was there. He was probably their best weapon on offense this past season. Right? Maybe even more so than than Chark was. Right? I think a lot of people would agree. So very mm-hmm. impressive for a UDFA to do what Robinson did last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he made my first All Rookie team. So that's uh... <laughs> yeah. There you go. There, there's there's that accolade. I love it. Yeah. Of course, my my teams are the toughest to get into in the whole land. So <laughs> there you go. I, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you know, uh, the Titans are very well covered by Broadway Sports Media, of which I'm a subscriber. Shout out BSM. Uh, so what do you guys? I know they guys they cover a lot of Tennessee wide sports, including soccer. Um, so what what are you guys' plans in the future? If you guys can tell me. Or tell us. Yeah, I mean, we've got a lot of ex- exciting things coming up. You know, we got a great team over there, guys like John Glennon uh, and, and Mike Miracles, uh, you know, Titans Film Room, uh, F-Words Pod, uh, Coach's Corner, you know, with with, with Jonathan Boren. 
uh, and Ryan Watson. So lo- lots of content, man. Lots of podcasts. The the Flex Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, of course, me me and Justin Graver, who's at Titans Film Room. A lot of Titans fans are probably familiar with him. We host mm-hmm. the Music City Audible Pod. That's available every single Friday. Yeah. Uh, a lot of offseason content. We're really about to ramp up our coverage of the draft. We've got scouting reports coming. You know, of course, I'll be writing a lot of those. We've also got scouting reports uh, and fits coming uh, on free agent edge rushers and and really going to be taking a look at, you know, how guys like Carl Lawson might fit the Titans, how guys like Romeo Aquara, who you brought up, how he might fit the Titans. So lots of content. Of course, we got the... uh, the, the Nashville SC coverage as well as you mentioned Nashville Predators John Glennon does is a bit of a bit of a you know does a bit of everything for us covers the Titans covers the Predators great great guy to have on staff of course Titans fans will know him formerly of the Athletic and of the Tennessean as well way back in the day so we got a lot of great stuff coming up we recently um, uh, came up with a new series called uh, I believe it's called Broadway Battles where we're coming up with a topic and, and having two writers go back and forth and argue on the fit. We just published one, I believe it was uh, about Gregory Rousseau and how one of our writers, uh, uh, Wes, uh, that's I believe that at Titans Draft Tape, how he wants to cover, uh, how he wants Titans to draft Rousseau. And we had another one of our writers, Joshua Huang, uh, write about how he doesn't want them to draft Rousseau. So that was kind of fun to see that back and forth. So got a lot, a lot of off-season content coming your way. Yeah, I'm a fan of Rousseau personally. I read that article. Uh, I, I like Rousseau. I do. If if yeah. I was if I took place in that uh, you know in that article, I, I would have taken the side of uh, let let's take him. I'm I'm a big fan of Rousseau. I think you know the the length that you can't teach still scratching the surface of his potential. You know what did he have in 2019? Like 15 and a half sacks, I think it was. And he'll be the first guy to tell you that he's still figuring it all out. So imagine how you know how good he's going to be two years from now when an NFL coaching staff gets their hands on him and molds him um, to their liking. But again, length is something you can't teach. You either have it or you don't. And man, he has it in bunches. And it's so exciting to watch him use that wingspan on tape. Yeah. Speaking of Russo, I spoke to a guy uh, now. It's been a couple of years ago now. At the Senior Bowl, I spoke to a, mem- a family member of a Hurricanes family mem- a player that was there in Mobile. That's, I asked him, who was the best rush, edge rusher on the team, and he clearly spoke to me saying that Rousseau was the best edge rusher on the team. Mind you, Quincy Roche wasn't there yet, but, you know, Rousseau's a special talent. Yeah, and was Jalen Phillips there when you would have had that conversation? I think he was just starting there, starting spring ball there, so it wasn't – he wasn't he wasn't there there yet, so. Right. So, yeah, I mean, at that point, I think Rousseau, yeah. I mean, I mean, how can you not say him? I mean, 6'5", 260. Again, the length is, is amazing. The way he plays with that, that wingspan, the extension, uh, you know, he, of course, the way it ha- helps him with his tackle radius. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, if you're looking for improvements, think, you know, he's still figuring it all out as an edge rusher. And he'll tell you that, right, when it comes to stringing together counters and things of that, or string, just moves in general, and, you know, things of that nature, using his hands more. Uh, there are a lot of things and areas he needs to improve in, but I love the player's potential. I think the sky's the absolute limit for him. Uh, you know, and, and some people are bullish on him. Uh, and over at Broadway, you know, we have these arguments all the time in our group chat, you know, in our group chats at Broadway, just, you know, talking ball. And, and some guys want him and some guys don't. But you can put me on the side that would would love to see Russo in two-tone blue next year. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see who they draft at 22 if they – I know 
I know uh, John Robinson has a history of um, trading up and down the board as he sees fit. So I don't think he, I don't think he's gonna stay still. Yeah, I mean, Robinson's never been one who's afraid to, to move up and down the board. Uh, in the first round, I, you know, he, he obviously, you'll remember he traded that number one overall pick away to the Rams. That was before the draft, granted. But then draft day came, and he moved back up uh, to take Jack Conklin. I believe he moved up to take Rashawn Evans as well. I think he moved up to take Harold Landry. Uh, he moved up to take Dane Cruikshank. Um, he, uh, he moved up, I think, was last year – did he move up to take Cole? No, not Cole McDonald, sorry. But, but yeah, he's, he's moved up and down the board a lot throughout the years. So it wouldn't shock me to see an active John Robinson on draft weekend once again. Yeah. Uh, I know Titans fans are clamoring for um, Rashawn Evans and Land or one of Evans or Landry. It's surprising they got both. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I start, when it comes to Landry, no, I, I think that'd be a mistake. I understand everyone's frustrated with the lack of sacks in general um, this past season that, that the whole team really suffered from. But I don't think Landry's a bad football player. I think he's a good football player. I think the sack numbers, I, I think he's a better uh, sack artist than the numbers indicated this past year. I think he's more of an 8-10 to 10 sack guy. I think this year he was around, what, 5, 5.5. Um, uh, you know, one thing that I think Harold Landry would really benefit from would be getting a breather once in a while. I, I, you may not recall, but last offseason, Shane Bowen going going into the season said one of their focuses was going to be to get Harold Landry a, a breather once in a while. And that didn't happen at all this year. They were not able to do that for him, largely in part due to, of course, you know, Beasley underwhelming and injury to Clowney. You know, Harold Landry was playing 98% of snaps every single game. Sometimes more than that. Imagine how tired he was at times. I, I think his sack numbers would have looked a lot better if he was playing even 80% of snaps or 75% of snaps or, you know, whatever it is. They've got to find a way to surround him with more talent and get him a breather. I don't think he's an elite sack guy. I don't think he's ever going to become uh, Danielle Hunter, you know, when he's healthy or a TJ Watt or, or somebody like that. But I think Harold Landry is a very good football player that can get you eight, you know, eight sacks a year and is also a good player in the run game. He's not a liability uh, yeah. there. And you've seen them drop him into coverage. They used him in the slot this past year a little more than I think anybody would like to see. We joke about that, but he dropped a lot uh, f- for whatever reason. I think more than they should have had him drop. But uh, that's a good football player who does things for you. So I think it'd be a very big mistake to, to move Harold Landry. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think I think Evans would be better. Uh, I know this is not a popular theory. I think Evans would be better off transitioning to edge instead of an inside linebacker, given his uh, inconsistencies in coverage. Yeah, I mean Evans. You know, I, I'm torn on this because I think he was an easy scapegoat for the Titans for Titans fans this year. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he particularly played well. But I think there was uh, issues at every level of the defense. You know, if the edge rushers are playing better, if the the D tackles are playing, you know, Jeffrey Simmons was, you know, uh, flashed, but he wasn't extremely consistent, truthfully. So if the edge rushers are playing better, if the D tackles are playing better, if the corners are doing a better job covering, if they can get pressure on the quarterback, if Kevin Byard doesn't regress in the manner that he did. Look, for you to get a defense as bad as they had this past season, there has to be an issue at every single level, and, and from coaching to, to the players' personnel, they had issues all over the field. I thought before this year that Rashawn Evans had been a pretty good player for them. I don't think he's 
I don't think he's elite. I don't think really, and maybe he hasn't really lived up to that first round selection, but I don't think he's a terrible football player by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, it'll be, I don't think there's any way they're going to move on from him. And I've said this to many people. I think the Tennessee Titans like Rashawn Evans a lot more than the fans do. You talk, you listen to the coaches. I think Mike Vrabel really likes Rashawn Evans. Jim Hazlitt loves Rashawn Evans. Jim, every press conference Jim Hazlitt did, he said that he thought Evans was one of the best linebackers in the NFL. And he loves the way he plays, and he plays with his hair on fire. So there is, it's interesting to me because I, I think of all Titans players, the largest disconnect between what the staff thinks and what the players think, that, or, or sorry, what the fans think, probably exists with Rashawn Evans. Yeah, I think so too. It's just, it's just. Uh, uh, you mentioned Shane Bowen in passing. I don't think he's, I don't think he's a fit for the defense coordinator role. I think he just went, uh, very well went for the continuity aspect of it, even though it was a bad continuity. Um, what do you, what are your thoughts on that decision? Yeah, I'm, I'm torn on that because you know I, I get the outrage. I understand why people are upset. I really do. Um, it's hard. You know, that, that's a tough sell on a fan yeah. base, right? To watch the defense the way they played last year and to come back and say, hey, we're going to run this thing back. You know, that, that's, that, that's a tough sell. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, I kind of just touched on it. Um, I think there was issues at every level. Coaching has to be better. Absolutely. The Shane Bowen have to be better at his job. Absolutely. Do I think he can be better? Yeah, I do. I do think he can be better. And, and, and it'll be interesting to see what happens next year because Mike Vrabel's not going to come out and flat out say it, and neither will John Robinson, of course. But them bringing Bowen back into this role, to me, is a clear sign that they think it was more of a personnel issue than it is a coaching issue. Yeah. So let's see what they go out and do this year on the defense in free agency. Let's see what they do in the draft. It, it, it tends, you know, you tend to think that they're going to, you know, really make a lot of changes on right on the player side, on that side of the ball. That's kind of the message that you're sending by saying, hey, it wasn't the coach's fault. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I do expect their defense to be better next year. It would be almost impossible for them not to be, right? The way they were giving up third down conversions, the lack of pressure on the quarterback, it's almost impossible for them to be that bad again. So uh, the way I see this shaking out, is they get a little bit better, you know, they move the needle. Maybe they're the 18th best defense in the NFL. Maybe they're the 21st best defense in the NFL. I don't think they'll get to a top 10 unit. But, hey, even 18 to 21, that's a monumental improvement from what they were this past season. And if they can even get there, I think you'll see a lot less hatred for Shane Bowen. Yeah, I used to I used to joke that uh, that teams shouldn't bother playing first and second down, just play third down against the Titans. Yeah, I mean, the third down defense, right? Like, you, you almost feel like it was mental at some point, right? Yeah, it felt like every third and 13, every third and 15, it was like automatic, right? I mean, they were, there was one point, I don't, I don't really know, I can't recall how they finished in this metric, but there was one point where they were the worst third down defense in NFL history, right? Not yeah. just in the season, in NFL history. They were giving up more third downs than anybody ever had. So, again, it, it's almost impossible that they don't get a little better in this area. Yeah, it's a... Uh... Surprisingly, Malcolm Butler stood out this past season, given the poor play around him. I think given fans give a lot of crap, crap, crap to him. Unfortunately, I, I don't know why. I thought Malcolm Butler was terrific in 2020. 
especially yeah. towards the middle of the year, right? They they started having him shadow receivers, right? You saw that a lot, uh, in, especially in the middle of the year, right? I think he shadowed A.J. Green when they played the Bengals. He shadowed, uh, I think it was Juju when they played Pittsburgh. And, and everyone he shadowed didn't really do any damage. So I thought Malcolm Butler had a terrific season. You're seeing lots of, you know, lots of rumors about, oh, he can get cut or he might be a surprise. Not, you know, I don't want to say rumors because I, I wouldn't buy into any of that. I don't think it's anyone really connected who's saying this stuff. But you've seen some people write articles saying, oh, Malcolm Butler could be a cut candidate. And, and, and I don't, that should not be the case at all. I mean, they need to get better at cornerback, right? Not worse. They didn't have anybody yeah. besides Malcolm Butler that could cover and, last year. Yeah. And to Fulton go out was... and cut the only guy you had that was covering people, I mean, it wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. Fulton was a rookie, and he got hurt and had COVID. Uh, Absolutely. Adore was hurt and didn't show up at all until the last week of the season. Even then, he was hurt. And uh, it's just, I don't think they need to upgrade the cornerback room for sure because they don't have much of anything, really. Absolutely. And don't get me wrong. I think they're going to be better next year, even with the guys they have. I'm still a huge Christian Fulton fan. I was yeah. jumping for joy when they got him in the second round because I thought he was a first-round talent. And I know a yeah. lot of people felt that way. So I still think the sky's the limit for Fulton. You said it. He got hurt. He went on the COVID list. Uh, you know, they, they didn't have, again, we talked about training camp. He didn't have a preseason. We didn't have rookie OTAs, mini camp. We didn't have any of those things. And he got hurt early in the process. So he just, and Mike Vrabel said it early, Fulton just didn't get the reps, right? He, he didn't get the, the physical reps. So I think Fulton's going to be a lot better next year. I think Adoree will be back and, and certainly will be better than we saw. It was a small sample size, but he was, he was quite bad when he came mm-hmm. back from injury. But I agree, they need to add to this room. They can't just rely on those three guys. They can't rely on Butler just maintaining that level of play while also you know, relying on Adoree coming back strong and Fulton taking a huge jump forward. They need to add to this cornerback room, and I believe they will. And as much as we love Breon Borders, he's, he's, uh, he's still a uh, UFA for a reason. Exactly. I mean, when it comes to borders, I think I, you've got a lot of, you know, a lot of respect for what he did for them last year. I think it was one of the few pleasant surprises, right? Let's be honest. We didn't get a lot of pleasant surprises on the team last year. Borders (laughs) probably takes home the cake for being the most pleasant surprise played so well for them at times. Then again, unfortunately he got hurt. It was a hip injury. It's not a good injury from what I've heard. There's some concern there with that, with that hip. Um, But you know, you, you bring Breon back, in my opinion. But if you're relying on him to be anything more than your fifth corner or your sixth corner and being a, a nice depth piece to have, then then I think you're playing with fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you think they go after Patrick Peterson if the price is right? I don't know about that, man. That's that that's tough, Patrick. I think they're more likely to make a move. If they're going to make a big move like that, I think mm-hmm. it'll more likely be an edge rusher uh, mm-hmm. or even receiver. Receiver wouldn't w- wouldn't shock me as much, but if they're going to try to tr- make it pull off a trade like that and taking a guy that's that's a big name guy and is making big bucks, I would imagine they try it at edge before they try it at corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, I don't know. I've heard this on the radio the other day. I think teams or players, free agents are going to like try to team up like the NBA. You know. For one, for this one year, because the cap is so depressed as it is, and then load up on on their money next year. I've heard that take going around. I, I do think it's going to be a crazy off season. I'll say yeah. that. I do think it's going to be a crazy free agency period with the cap. 
you know, being what it is, I do think you can see a lot of, I think it would make sense for these guys financially uh, to sign one-year deals, bet on themselves, and, and take a bigger bite of the apple in 2022, right? When the cap's going to jump monumentally, then there's going to, you know, teams are going to have money to throw around. It's going to be very beneficial to hit free agency in 2022. Yeah. One thing I will say, if I am taking a one-year deal and betting on myself, I, I, would, I wouldn't be anxious to do it in a new environment. I would feel better about going back to the team that I already played for because I know the system. I know, you know, I know the the players. I know the the quarterback. If I'm, a, for example, like a receiver in Corey Davis, I, I would be anxious to do it back in my in my team in my city and, and and have another big year and then maybe leave elsewhere for a bigger deal in 2022. So, do you think Corey Davis comes back? That's so tough for me, man. I'm gonna lean towards no. I, I just don't see how they can afford to pay him with with an AJ Brown massive extension on the horizon, right? Within the next year, uh, I, I I just I, I'm sure they would love to have him back, and I imagine they're gonna peek their their head and you know into that conversation and, and try to make it happen. But I think ultimately, when Corey hits free agency, I think he gets a bigger offer elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, plus, I wasn't um, I wasn't a fan of you know that last drive against Baltimore, the way he sat out. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if you heard anything. Was it due to injury or just the game plan there? I don't know what happened, but it wasn't yeah. a good look to say the least. I think it was unfortunate. From from what yeah. I've heard, it was it was injury related. One thing yeah. I'll say on that is I know a lot of people in Corey Davis's camp, and he yeah. really isn't the ultimate competitor. A real a real yeah. loyal teammate. And I think he deserves a, deserves a lot of credit for what he went through this past year, losing his brother the way he did. Yeah. I, I can't imagine the emotions that he battled through and to not even miss a single game, um, you know, when that happened. Knowing that, knowing what I know, knowing the type of competitor and loyal teammate he is, anybody who's insinuating that Corey took himself out of the game or, or, or didn't want to play on that drive, to me, it's a ludicrous claim and there, there's no merit to it whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, he blocks his ass off all the time. I mean, so <laughs> team player. Yeah. He's a team player yeah. first and foremost, and he's loyal. And from what I've heard, you know, money's not. And I tweeted this a couple of days ago. Money is not the number one thing he's after, and and that's the truth. That's what I've heard. I mean, we'll see how the, this plays out. Maybe an offer blows him away, and and it ends up being about money. But as of now, what he's looking for is a chance to win and a chance to get a lot of targets in the passing game. Yeah, I'm interested to see how Tennessee transitions to um, uh, Todd, Todd Downing away from Coach Smith. Obviously going to miss Arthur Smith a lot. Just a yeah. terrific, terrific offensive coordinator. Love Coach Smith. Good, Tennessee is going to miss him. I am very. I think Todd Downing is, is, is capable of the job. I think he deserved the job, the promotion. He's, he's called plays before, unlike Arthur, right? When Arthur stepped into that yeah. role, he had never called plays before. So that that's one thing I like about Coach Downing. He's, he's got experience calling plays. What I'm most interested to see is how he tweaks the passing game. Because I don't think they're going to reinvent the wheel offensively. I mean, why would you when you put up points the way they do? They're yeah. not going to, you know, they're not about to go away from Derrick Henry, uh, you know, on, on, on a play-by-play basis. But yeah. I do think that Todd Downing is going to try to add more to the drop-back passing game. And I think that's one thing this offense is missing a little bit. If there's one area they're lacking, obviously they can run the ball. They do a great job taking advantage of play action. But when it comes to the drop-back passing game, 
that's one area I would like to see them get better in. And that's one area, I believe it was Zach from the F-Words pod. He wrote an article a few weeks, you know, maybe even a month or two ago when Downing got the job. He wrote a great article on Coach Downing and, and his history as a coach. So I would really expect him to, to, to put some emphasis on improving that drop back game. Yeah, it's plus also the team needs more receivers as well to help A.J. Brown. Because besides Brown, who who else you got? Raymond, maybe? maybe yeah, and Raymond's a free agent. Raymond's a free agent. Yeah. And Humphreys seems like a strong candidate to get cut. So they're yeah. going to do a lot at receiver this year. They're going to do a lot. That's why I mentioned guys like Rashad Bateman, right, or a guy like Terrace Marshall. Or maybe they want a speedster, a guy like Rondale Moore or, or Elijah mm-hmm. Moore or a Kadarius Tony, they're going to do something big at receiver this offseason. Now, keep in mind, something big could mean re-signing Corey Davis. That is something big, but they they have to do something at wide receiver. Yeah. Because yeah, teams are just going to just target Brown endlessly if they don't. Right, yeah, you just you got to have more depth there, right? I, I think they need more depth there as is, even with Corey Davis. I think they need a reliable slot option. Unfortunately, Adam Humphrey just hasn't been healthy, right? That signing hasn't worked out uh, due to injury. So even if they re-sign Corey, I still think they have to either sign or draft another receiver that can play in the slot. Yeah, unfortunately, the AFC North knocked out two of our best players, two of our two of our best players, and Jayon Brown and Adam Humphrey's uh you know, so screw you, Cincinnati, and screw you, Baltimore. <laughs> oh boy, but uh, yeah, that that was very unfortunate to lose Jayon and and and, and yeah. Adam the way that they did. Jayon's another free agent. Be interesting to see what happens with him. It seems like they have a replacement lined up in David Long. Uh, mm-hmm. Should his should Jayon's market uh, get a little out of hand and and they feel that they can't afford to bring him back, I think they they would like to have Jayon back does a lot for that defense he's one of the best coverage linebackers in the mm-hmm. nfl and that's something david long doesn't really do truth be told and it's certainly not something that rashawn evans does so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because i do think Jayon is their best coverage linebacker and that's an area they would really miss him in should he play elsewhere yeah. next year yeah i think i don't think he gets uh cj mosley top money but he He's not gonna. He's not gonna go broke. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, he's definitely not yeah. gonna go broke. But it'll be interesting to see how yeah. you know maybe the injury impacts yeah. uh, his market. I also don't think he's got a, uh, for whatever reason, a reputation or a profile, right, where he's seen as one of the better linebackers in the game. I, I don't think his market's gonna get out of control. Uh, I don't remember what CJ. What, what did CJ Mosley get per year? I think he was like 14 or 15. Yeah, I don't think Jayon comes anywhere close to sniffing that. But I do think he'll probably be somewhere in the 8 to 9 million range annually. So, Pat, do you have any questions for Justin? Or um, Not really. I've been quiet this time because yeah. <laughs> as somebody who's, who's interested, because I think the AFC South is going to be really competitive, I've just been absorbing this information. I mean, yeah. <laughs> It is a lot, and I think it's going to be it's going to be definitely one of the interesting uh, situations coming up. Yeah. So, do you think Carson Wentz is going to be uh, the worst quarterback in the AFC South, Justin? <laughs> uh, that's tough. I don't, you know, maybe because I don't think he's going to be as good as Ryan Tannehill, and he's probably not going to be yeah. as good as Trevor Lawrence either. But you know, that, that leaves it up to Houston. Assuming Deshaun Watson yeah. got their quarterback in 2021, they'll probably be in a worse situation because yeah. you know, a lot of Titans fans may not want to hear this, but I don't think Wentz is going to be as bad as we think he is. I don't think he's going to be excellent. 
uh, or elite, but I think he's going to be a lot better than he was in Philly. Two reasons. I think a change of scenery is going to do him good. I think things got pretty toxic for him down there in Philly. And Frank Reich, right? He obviously loved working with Coach Reich in, in, in Philly. I think he's going to enjoy working with him in Indy. I think the Colts are going to get similar play out of him to what they got in Phillip Rivers out of 2020, right? I don't think he's going to be elite, but I think they'll lean on that run game. I think he'll do enough. They'll lean on a pretty good defense, and I think the Colts win 9, 10, 11 games again next year with Carson Wentz under center. Yeah, Rivers Rivers wasn't that bad, actually. No, he he, he wasn't. He wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible, and and I think Wentz uh, ends up uh, slotting in around the same spot uh, that Rivers did last year. Yeah, I think Jonathan Taylor's development is going to be pretty big, too. Uh, He came up huge in the later parts of the season for sure yeah i think taylor's going to be a terrific player for them and and they've got a great and you know what the o-line actually will be something interesting because it seems like they're going to go through quite a bit of shuffling there uh this offseason right anthony costanzo retired uh at left tackle so they, they need a new left tackle that you know which is obviously the probably the most important position on the o-line they've talked about you know maybe shuffling quentin nelson there i don't think that's something they'll do don't think it's something you should do if he's the best left guard in the game you keep him at left guard but, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. But I agree. I think Taylor's going to be a, a terrific player for them next year. And I think that's a big reason he'll take a lot of the load off Carson Wentz, right? And I think that's really going to help Wentz settle in and quickly become comfortable in that role. Yeah, I hope, uh, I hope Wentz is paid enough not to throw it to Michael Pittman Jr. because uh, NTJ is not going to give him his jersey number. <laughs> yeah, that, that was an interesting one. I, yeah. I, I would certainly, you, you, you know, when a quarterback comes over, you almost yeah. see, you know, always willing to give up the number, but yeah. uh, he wasn't willing to do it. It's interesting. I mean, he was honest about it. I, re- I respect the honesty, I guess, but for, yeah, for whatever reason, he's not willing to do it. To be fair, it's, it's, it's 11. It's not 12 over or 16 or 18 or something. It's 11. So that that's true. It's <laughs> certainly not your most typical uh, quarterback no. number. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I don't think I don't think eighteen's touchable in Indianapolis. I don't think. <laughs> no, I think that'll be a. I don't know if they've officially retired it, but I don't think it'll be touching. Yeah, certainly time. not. Certainly not. And then I don't know Johnny Hughes off the top of my head, but. Nineteen. Nineteen. Yeah. So I, I guess he wouldn't be able to get that either. So. Hell, I don't think they'll they'll allow twelve. No, they might not. So since luck was kind of you know short and just kind of a memory and. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah it probably won't yeah. allow 12 either. Well, Anyways, guys, I'm going to have to take off in a minute or two here. So okay. if you have a final question you'd want to get in or another two questions, uh, I'm happy to answer. But I'm going to have to take off in a couple. All right. Yeah, I guess my right. – so if, if you had a dream player to select at the first Titans pick, who would it be? This is my one question. Oh, that's, that, that's really tough. Just, just kind of off the top of your head, who would be like the first guy to jump into your mind? if Like in the could. first round at 22nd overall? Yeah. I, Someone I that that may realistically be on the board. Yeah. I think I'm. You know what? I'm. I'm partial to him. I I love watching him play. I know. You know, for whatever reason, he's all over big boards. I've seen him as as low as forty, and I don't really get it. But I'm a big Aziz Edjulari guy. I think he's going to be mm-hmm. an elite edge rusher at the next level. You know, the the explosion, the first step explosiveness, the bend. Uh, his ability to turn, rip, you know, and flatten, flatten the corner, just, you know, really a big fan. His hands, if you watch Aziz Edjulari and focus in on the film, start with 2019 and then turn on 2020. The way that he progressed with his hands, it's unbelievable. 
2019 looked like he didn't know what to do with his hands. You watch him in 2020, what a step forward he took. All of a sudden, he's a technician with his hands, and he'll tell you that himself. He'll tell you that he worked a lot in the offseason going mm-hmm. into 2020 on his hands. He knows how important they are. Uh, it's one of his catchphrases, beat the hands, beat the man. And, and you, see, you see his ability to do that. You see his ability to bend uh, just you know, so low to the ground. A big fan of his game. I, I think it's the type of edge rusher that Tennessee needs. Uh, I think they need more than him. I think the situation was so bad there that they also need to sign a veteran uh, guy. I don't think you can rely on a rookie to fix that situation. Edge rushers tend to have a tough transition. It's so rare you see an edge rusher come into the league and dominate year one and put up eight to ten sacks, right? Typically, you're going to get you know two to five sacks out of that guy as a rookie. So, uh, But for me, that pick is just as much about 2022 and 2023 as it is about 2021. So Absolutely. I'm going to say it's the Central Line. I like that. I definitely like that. All right, thanks for coming on the show, Justin. Yeah, so uh, we hope to have you sometime soon to talk more Titans football and draft-related content. Uh, where can we find you on social media and your work? Yeah, follow me on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. Uh, really what I have going right now um, is breaking all the, you know this news on which, player, uh, which teams are meeting with which prospects. That's kind of my, my bread and butter right now, my niche. I just earlier this evening, I broke uh, where, where Rondale Moore has been visiting, uh, of course, virtually. But um, so you really, you know, you don't have to be a Titans fan to follow me. I, I, I cover the draft from a wide scope for the draft network. And whichever team you're a fan of, uh, I have news for you. I have news on which prospects are meeting with which team. So follow me there at Justin M underscore NFL. I'm releasing a prospect interview, at least one every single day from now leading up to the draft. I'm, I'm, I'm a very busy man right now when it comes to these prospect interviews. So read up on the class, learn all about them uh, and, and just enjoy familiarizing yourself with the 2021 NFL draft class. All right. Thank you so much for coming on, Justin. Have a good one guys. You too. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, we would like to thank Justin and Brandon for coming on uh, today. And that was great to have our first two guests. And uh, <laughs> we have run pretty long already. You know, those two guys full of information, and it was great to have them. So, any closing remarks? Um, I don't have any closing remarks, but to, uh, it was great having those two guests on, our first two guests, like you said. And uh, they were very full of information. And, um, yeah, please wear masks and mm-hmm. stay safe in this world. And, uh, yeah, and have a good one. Yep, I got to give a, a, a little personal shout-out to uh, MassWellNation.com. I recently launched my own Boston sports site. It's a little bit of shameless self-promotion. You can go and check that out. And uh, I can be found personally at FireNFL on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then you can be found at? Uh, to Zero Blitz. Of course, the, the cooler name compared to mine, but <laughs> yeah, so that wraps it up for today, and we're excited to bring you some more draft coverage coming up. 